What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Face Uno podcast, where everyone has a story and everyone's story matters. What's your story? If you'd like to support the show and help us tell more stories like the one you're about to hear, please visit crazyfaceuno.com today, where you can purchase items from our online store or donate. As always, I'm your host, Shane McNeely. And before I introduce my guest today, I want to first tell you about our next live stream coming up later this week. Tune in on Thursday, that's right, Thanksgiving Day, at 3 p.m. Eastern Time for our Thanksgiving edition. That's Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll be taking calls and listening to your favorite Thanksgiving memories, and of course, hear about the things you are thankful for. If you'd prefer to write out and send us your Thanksgiving memories, and the things you're thankful for, please email us at info at crazyfaceuno.com or send us a message on Instagram or Facebook. And it's my honor and privilege to introduce our guest today, the one, the only, a man I've known for a very long time, all my life, actually, my father, David McNeely. Welcome, Dad. Hello, son. Well, and everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for being here. Oh, no problem at all. We uh, we are doing it a little later, but uh, it's uh, it's going down nonetheless. Well, why don't you fill us in on uh, kind of what you've been up to in the last? I don't know. I mean, your work and kind of what you've been up to recently, and um, we'll go from there. Well, you know, currently I'm in lawn care sales for one of Indianapolis's uh, largest privately owned lawn care companies called Lawn Pride. And I've been doing this for about three years. And, uh, of course, this is late November in Indianapolis, Indiana. Not exactly prime time for lawn <laughs> care. So we're kind of winding out for the season a lot of times to uh, – through the course of the year, the at the end of the season, usually like around Thanksgiving till January, uh, sometime there's layoffs in, in the sales team and they keep two or three people behind and uh, they kind of have to earn that spot typically. And I'm one of the lucky ones that gets that spot. I earned it this year. However, I already had pre-planned uh, time to be out for a couple of weeks in December. So still yeah. doing that and yeah it's gonna work out well so nice. i'm on on the cusp of a uh, sales record for the company and uh, have a chance of hitting that this year so it's kind of exciting just gotta uh i'm about nine ten thousand dollars short of a uh all-time lawn pride sales record so that's awesome kind of, yeah you yeah, were cool. you were telling me about that recently and uh so are you for sure well not for sure, I guess, but is it looking like you're going to be holding on to that number one spot then? And uh, it's going to be terribly close. Yeah. I I need, I've got, oh, I have about eight days, nine days uh, yet this year that I'll be working. Because I'll be gone, you know, for those who don't know, I'll be in Florida seeing Crazy Face, you know, live and in person. <laughs> and, uh, That's me. And the Chansey Poo. That's right. And, and the Dana Deer. That's uh, right. Anyway. You know, the family, uh, yep. be down there for a week and a little bit of a, another week's vacation with the family and 
then when we come back, there's uh, the company uh, lawn prize shut down the week of Christmas. So I have nice. a couple days at the end of the month. And then I think officially now there are seven. I have nine days left of the year. Mm-hmm. And I need to be pushing about $1,000 of sales a day, which is, is potential. I've, I've got the opportunity to do it. I'm, I'm going to be pushing to do it. Everybody wants me to, wants to see me do it because the person who did it before was a long-time lawn care person, had mm-hmm. been a manager at one of our competitors and gotcha. been all over the country doing it. And I, for lack of better terms, uh, he was kind of shady in the way he did some of his sales. And I've done all mine clean, and I'd love to just knock him off and yeah. be the top dog. So. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. I'm excited so, about it. So that's what I've been doing. Uh, for, and obviously, you know, I know, but... Um, for everybody listening, what what does it look like your day to day? Do you do you mostly do cold calls? Is it uh, you know? Do you have like warm cold leads? Like how do, how does that work for you? Well, we have through the course of the year, and and I can start in like January when we go back go back to work in January as an example. First of the year, winter time in Indiana, uh, we'll be talking to people that have maybe canceled services with us in the last two years, see if there's anything we can do to get their business back. We'll be reaching out during that um, January, February timeframe to those who have canceled and also what we call NIs or not interested. They're people that have gotten a quote in the last couple of years for whatever reason, chose to take care of their own lawn, went with a competitor and see if we can earn their business. And, we reach out to those by way of, I don't call it cold calling because they were inquiries or customers at some point, but we've got to cold call them, uh, see about getting their business back. We also, our company spends a buku of a lot of money uh, on marketing. Uh, mm-hmm. They'll have billboards up around the Indianapolis area. They'll have, last year they had TV ads, radio ads, uh, a lot of marketing things that they mail out to generate leads that they'll submit and then we follow up on the live leads. Nice. Um, people will call in, we'll take the calls and a lot of times they'll submit things online, Facebook or through other social media venues. And then we reach out to them in that way. So it's not a lot of, it's not cold call as like knocking on someone's door that has had no interest whatsoever in lawn care. So there's a lead of some sort, whether it's, as I say, past customer, existing customer, or whatever, and then we generate. You know, we'll be busier and one on paper hangers from probably about uh, late February, early March when our marketing really starts hitting the ground. Yeah. Then we'll, we'll be really busy until about May, and then we start do, doing different. We call it uh, sales campaigns, uh, mm-hmm. selling beneficial services through other things. So we'll, that we do, you know, we have a system. I don't like calling it, but it's a dialer. Uh, Put all of our customers that don't have this service in, into a uh, dialer system that automatically calls them, and we reach out to them and talk to them and yeah. see if we can get them to buy that service. And then we sure. go all the way through. And we just finished up our last campaign earlier today uh, was our last one of the year. And then a lot of our guys uh, today was our last day until first of the year. Gotcha. So, so. have you? you- is this year three or four working for this company? So I'm finishing my third season, third season. Uh, which, which that in itself is quite of an accomplishment. They, 
I didn't have uh, lawn care experience per se going in to when I first started with yeah. them. But people that know me know that I, I, I'm a BSer. I, I have good people skills. I talk with people and I don't know strangers and that is very easy for me. So I'm very relational in my way I approach people and talk sure. to people when it's on in lawn care. Uh, so from that standpoint, I've got, <clears throat> got my, uh, foot in the door, uh, learned the lawn care segment of things. And from there, it really is just using people skills to communicate what I know and, you know, try to help them out getting their lawn care services taken care of. Nice. What would you say was your biggest surprise when you started this job? Mm. It, it, it's interesting. Sales is, sales is what it is. Sales is sales. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to me how I'll use the term sales pitch and how the uh, cadence of your voice, uh, the wording that you use, mm-hmm. uh, the order in which you use words can change everything. Um, this last campaign we're on, we call it round eights. It's an opportunity to sell uh, an end of the season uh, application that would benefit people's lawns, and and when we first started this campaign, I I didn't I wasn't knocking it out of the park. I mean, you know, our goal was to at that point of, of round eights, where our goal is to sell around anywhere from fifteen to twenty, about a thousand to eleven hundred dollars of revenue a day, yeah. and we started out as uh, six, seven, eight hundred, you know, in there and. Um, and then just start changing, you know, listening to people that are doing well, what they're saying. Yeah. And sometimes you're saying essentially the same thing, but it's the way you say things sure. or the way that you kind of close things out that, you know, either gets your business or not. So some people are just simply not interested. I mean, there's nothing you can do that's going to sway them. So you just kind of roll with the punches. So with this being the last application of the year, it's just like they told me, no, it's just like, Hey, you know what? Thanks a lot. This is your last application we just did for you. You're done for the year. We'll see you next spring. Have a great Thanksgiving. You know, we'll just move on. Yeah. And try to end it on a positive note. And I try to do that with everybody. Just, you know, you get some people that are just crappy and that's life. Yeah. But it is what it is. What have you learned? um, Not just different aspects of sales, but even about the products and things, are there like some big, bigger things that you've learned just starting this and, and, and being in this specific uh, position at the lawn care company? Well, you know, sales are, are sales and there's a whole aspect that, you know, a lot of people in management above salespeople, there's, there's never going to be a matter of being satisfied. There's always a quest for more mm-hmm. increased sales improvement every year after year. Um, that's, you know, something I think people I've learned rejection uh, and not to take yeah. things personally. They may not want what you, what you offer or what you're selling. And it's nothing that they don't like you personally or whatnot. Yeah. It's just such a matter of taking rejection and, and not being beat up by a no, I'm, you know, you and I are a lot alike in that we are people, people yeah. um, don't, don't like rejection. You want to make everybody happy. Don't want people to be upset with you. And that's mm-hmm. hard for me. I'm not overly confrontational. I'm not yeah. a uh, confrontational person and don't, don't look for it. Don't back away from it 
very easily, but I don't go looking for it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. What do you remember? Uh, if you if you go way back, what was your first job you ever had? First job was mowing yards in big city of Akron, Indiana. You know, <laughs> when when Kelly, your stepmom, and I first started going out there, I'd take her around town and I could tell her, yeah, I mowed that yard, I mowed that yard, I mowed that yard. And uh, we're all over town, it was just like, I still do it, you know. Yeah. I mean, we had a, a golf cart up there. We'd ride around town and, on a golf cart and say, oh, I used to mow that yard. Of course, it, that was my first job, and of course, big money two fifty an hour or two two dollars or two dollars and fifty cents a lawn. Well, that was big money back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my first quote unquote job. That was just as a kid, and as I got into the teenage years, a little bit of baling hay, which I absolutely hated. I yeah. despised baling hay, but <clears throat> probably the first real job was working at. Pike Lumber Company, where where Paul worked, your dad, your grandpa, my dad, mm-hmm. and uh, when I was sixteen, you, they wouldn't let you be around any kind of equipment or anything of that nature. But Pike was one that was very clean. Uh, the owner, uh, president of the company, kept everything spick and span, uh, very clean. There was always cleanup to be done, and a lot all their outbuildings were painted white. So, in the summertime, they would hire. 16 year old kids and and we would paint it was me and one other kid that was his dad actually ultimately became the president of the company uh but he and i were friends and and we worked there at 16 years old and and we painted and handled lumber and just nothing around running any kind of equipment or anything so yeah that was my first first real job and so you said you I, were like 16 so you said yeah, i was 16 years old summer after i turned 16 i turned 16 in december and I think I started working there soon thereafter, to be honest. I know that next summer I worked there uh, through the summer. But um, at, yeah, I never forget the first day going to work with, with Paul. Uh, mm-hmm. Get up in the morning. At that time, when I first started working there, they worked, um, I can't remember, eight and a half hour, and I didn't write. Uh, they worked nine hour days and a half a day on Saturday. That was their normal uh, 50-hour work week. Mm-hmm. And then they transitioned later to working uh, five, 10-hour days. But when I first started working here with your with Paul, um, going the first day going to work, um, Dad was never one that was uh, not – he was a high school education, not, you know, in a lot of aspects, not overly educated. Uh, they're very wise in a lot of things, but dad is a supervisor. He's a field, field supervisor, the yard supervisor. And first day going to work, he said, uh, and his exact words were, uh, anything, or any, everything, anything and everything that you do is going to be a direct reflection of me. Don't embarrass me. Mm-hmm. And no pressure. Thing, no pressure <laughs> at all. And uh, the other thing that he he said on that same trip, I mean, mind you, we're talking four blocks in a little bitty town, and <laughs> five minutes to get there. Yeah. But, uh, but it was the other thing that that he said. He said that uh, he said, David, this is not right, and this is not fair. But if there's a shitty job to be done, you're going to be the one to get it because no one will ever accuse me of showing you favoritism. Yeah. I and, feel like that speaks so much to to who he was, though, and you know, just Paul was one of those guys that 
man, there wasn't nobody had a bad word to say about him, you know, like ever. Yeah. He was he was just a you knew what I you got and, and yeah, and I was, still run into people that that um, worked with Dan and have nothing but high praises to say about him. Yeah, this last fall, uh, Kelly and Akron was having garage sale uh, up there, and there was a lady that I knew. <clears throat> her sister and I went to high school together and I didn't know who she was married to at the time. And she ended up wanting to buy something. And she said something about her husband would love to come by. And he came back and it was a guy that, um, back in the day, he was a truck driver. He was, um, uh, lift truck operator, petty bone operator. He, he ran a lot of different things at Pike, but he knew dad and worked with dad and his name was Hugh. And I remember when he was, um, when I was a truck driver and I'm 16, 17 years old, um, he had a semi load of lumber that he was delivering up around Napanee, Indiana. Napanee area is a lot of Amish areas, uh, Amish uh, places. Mm-hmm. And they had me do a ride along with him that day because they, they called it a hand-me-down load, which basically meant that you have a semi load of, of, lumber yeah that you let your delivery handed down <laughs> you're handing it down because they don't have lift trucks yeah i mean the the semi you know all the the lumber was stacked in 40 or 90 inch wide yeah. uh, bales so to speak and maybe anywhere from 30 to or 36 to 48 inches tall so there's a lot of lumber and yeah. gosh I, I remember doing that and i saw him back a, a semi trailer into a spot that <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to back my truck in, I, yeah. it, it, but it was incredible. But that was but always was, the impressive thing going fishing with him, you know, and him being able to, he'd back that boat in there. Just like it was first yeah. shot. Like it was his, uh, yeah. he'd yeah, done but, it a million times. <laughs> yeah. But Hugh, you know, Hugh was one that talked a lot about dad and never had a bad word to say about him. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think when, when Paul passed away, I, the, I think the, the most illuminating thing to me, there was a, a man that worked there at Pike and today we would have, you know, the terminology would have used would have, you know, mentally handicapped. He was slow. He had challenges. He was not, he was just slow. Yeah. And Ray was his name. Ray. Ray, right. yeah, I remember you know, Ray, you know, had a speech impediment. He didn't talk real clear, hardworking guy, but not very, but not very sharp. Yeah. Had the utmost respect for dad. And the reason mm-hmm. why dad always treated him fair, always treated him right. Dad by nature never asked anyone to do something that he wouldn't do himself. Yeah. And he, he came by the house, uh, the, after dad had passed away and, and his words just resonate with me with, with the words that he said with him. And he just said, Doug, my dad, your Paul, uh, uh, Doug was the best boss me ever had, and he had tears in his eyes. Mm-hmm. And it, it was it, of all the people I had the president of the company and the vice president of the company, the people in the office, everyone yeah. else in the world that came by. But the one, the one that meant the most to me was when Ray came by and said something, just because yeah. it resonated with me of who Dad was and yeah. all kinds of things there. But yeah, Paul had some interesting interesting things you know but there's that cracks me up yeah man i i like i don't know i I love hearing those stories i love hearing 
I don't know, just, you know, one of my questions that I ask sometimes at the end of my podcast is just about legacy, you know, and like thinking about your legacy. And I feel like Paul is one of those people that left such a beautiful legacy, you know, of, of his life and the way he carried himself. And he never left any doubt that he was a, you know, upstanding citizen and man and, 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 and integrity was, and loyalty. And I don't know. There's just, a lot of things that he, he taught that maybe I never learned. Mm. Um, but there was a lot of things. Dad carried himself very well, very proud. Yeah. And uh, I'll say proud in that of his, of his appearance. I mean, worked at a lumber yard for his entire life, but I can remember him cornering, guys at the lumber yard and and basically sending them home and said you need to go home and get a shower and don't if you can't come back clean don't come back there's no excuse for stink yeah because they just didn't bathe or use deodorant or whatever and sent them home because of that dad even when he was very very ill um one of the kelly and i took mom and dad up to um gosh uh, east chicago and it was a weekend that we went up there and just went up there to a casino and dad was in a wheelchair at the time. Mm-hmm. And we made, we made sure they got a handicap room. So it'd be easy for him to get in and out and, and little thing. I mean, little things, I mean, literally, but, um, dad had been sponge bathing for a while because he hadn't, wasn't able to get up, walk up and down the stairs to go to the shower and, yeah. and just wash that way. When we went up up there, they had a um, handicap shower. And I had to help him get in there and get out and just him getting in there, sitting in a shower and rinsing off and and getting up in the shower and just never forget him just sitting there with an utter joy. (laughs) Yeah. But, and I, you know, I said, ready to get out. He goes, do you mind if I just sit here a while and just sit in the shower, you know, and hang that shower and just enjoyed that. And, it's a stupid thing about yeah. you know, Paul, but I remember it well. And, and um, you know, that was always something. He was always friendly to people. He always mm-hmm. talked with, um, never knew a stranger. I think that's where I get it. I think you get a lot of that as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he never knew a stranger, always spoke to people, always treated people with, you know, dignity and respect. Um, not um, prejudiced at all. Um, he told stories of him working in a in a gas station when he lived in Virginia and it had to been when mom and dad were very uh, first married yeah well first married or, or dating or just very early on in their relationship but it was a <clears throat> he worked at a gas station that in those days in the, in the early 50s is full service gas station that somebody pull up you pump their gas check their oil clean the windows and yeah come back in and do whatever and it was also in that part of Virginia, there was a um, bus stop there and where people would regularly commute to work and whatnot. And he talked about this one um, man, happened to be uh, African-American, happened to be a black man that was there. And you talk about in, in the Virginias in the South and in the, in the early 50s, that wasn't always something that was, you know, racism was pretty heavy. Sure. Uh, especially in the Virginias. But for dad, it was not a big deal, but this black guy, um, came there every morning and waited on the bus and he always had like an hour and a half, two hours to wait, uh, for the bus from the time he got dropped off there or whatever. And he would always kind of sit out in a chair and sleep 
Mm-hmm. Well, Dad, well, the two of them, of course, over time, develop a friendship or whatever. And Dad told him, he said, look, I don't remember the guy's name, but he, Dad would tell the story that he told him, you know, go back and lay back behind the counter. And you lay down the floor, you go to sleep, and I'll make sure I wake you up before the bus gets here. And the guy started doing that. And Dad told the story of one day that two other uh, uh, happened. I don't remember what the race was of the two guys that came in, but these two guys came in, and Dad was getting their gas and whatnot. And um, Dad came back in and got behind a register, you know, to take their money. And this guy stood up from behind the counter and told him, he said, you boys pay this man and get the hell out of here. Hmm. And dad didn't know what in the world had happened, you know, what was going on. And come to find out they were standing in there talking about how basically they were going to rob dad. Yeah. You know, he to rob him and go on. And it hadn't been for this guy behind the counter, you know, he could have been, well, who knows what could have happened. Yeah. But a little story. I mean, he <laughs> I was going to say, he, he would have gone yeah. down without a fight. <laughs> you know, but, you know, it, just a little story. I mean, yeah. it just, I mean, but it was because of the friendship that the two of them created. It ultimately saved him some yeah. heartache. They had each other's back. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. just, just a, a cool little story. thing. But, you know, it, it it's one of those things. It's not indicative of what you'd have seen in the Virginias in the 50s, you know, yeah. as far as race relations are concerned. But, yeah, dad, as I say, dad was never, <clears throat> ever, um, had a, you know, a, a racist bone in his body, yeah. period. You know, that was just a little thing. But as I say, it just spoke of the whole the idea. Character. Of the old, yeah. yeah, it spoke with everybody. Everyone talked about how dad was friendly and knew him and what a great person he was, so... When uh, very, very honest too, but go ahead. Yeah, when Paul was diagnosed with cancer, um, that's eventually what what took his life. Um, when was that that he went to the doctor? When did when did you find out? And when did we all find out about that? Oh, I he retired in two thousand. Uh, right at you know, right at the millennium, he retired and uh, retired in January of 2000, and um, probably 2000 that summer was probably when you went up, and probably the next two summers is 2000 2001 when you went up yeah. to stay with him the summer. Um, so that tells you a perspective of how old you would have been. Um, so 13, 14 years old. Um, I think dad and probably the... It wasn't even quite that because I was eighth grade. So it it may have been like... Yeah. I think I was eighth grade. I don't know. No, he, anyway, he passed, doesn't he matter. He passed away in 03 as perspective. So, but yeah. in... Um, Would have been I think November, November of... Um, stop and think. November, probably 2001, he yeah. had surgery, he had to have his bladder removed because he was diagnosed with bladder cancer. And at that point, he got a urostomy, which you had to pee in a bag type thing, mm-hmm. um, but because of the bladder cancer. And then that went along, you know, he, he didn't have to have any treatments or anything of that nature at all, but they had the urostomy bag, and mom helped him with that. But mm-hmm. That was in probably, uh, I want to say Thanksgiving time frame of 2001 uh, when all that transpired. And 
got you know surgery over in Fort Wayne, got along fine, and then it was probably two years later in. I remember it being probably it was over Memorial Weekend in 2003 when mom and dad both had gone out to Virginia uh, to visit my mother's uh, sister that um, dad had been doctoring so to speak for kind of a uh, he thought it was like a pulled muscle a sciatic nerve just something in his hip hip was just bothering you know when they drove out to Virginia they uh by the time they got out there, Dad could hardly walk. And on Memorial Weekend, I remember being out tinkering in the yard, on doing some stuff with flowers and listening to the 500. And Mom called and said that she was really worried she didn't know how they was going to get back because Dad was in bad shape. And I told her at that point, I mean, this was on Monday or whatever, I told her, I said, if you need me to come out and get you, don't worry about how you get back. I can always fly out and drive you back. Yeah. So just throw that in the back of your mind. And it wasn't a couple of days later that mom called and said, if you're, if you will do that, I need you to do that. And before, you know, two days over, I was back at work. And when she called and asked for that, I ended up having an airline ticket for a flu out there two days later and I told her I said the only thing of it is is that if we come back I want you to have appointments for doc- with doctor with dad's doctors yeah and so I flew out on a Wednesday we drove back on a Thursday and we had doctor's appointments on Friday with him mm-hmm. and uh, so that's where they started ordering a bunch of tests they ordered bone scans cat scans and it ended up being after one of the tests that they discovered that his cancer had returned and spread. Yeah. And that was in, that was in, uh, as I say, uh, end of May. And it just happened to be, just talking about timing, though, we're back that Thursday night before Dad's appointments on Friday that I get a call that Kelly, you know, my you know your stepmom Kelly, my wife, her father had passed away. Oh, so wow. so I'm up with mom and dad. You know that I need I come back Saturday after we did all dad's doctor's appointments. You know with hers, but but nonetheless, just the timing was weird because we went through a lot there in a short period of time. But it ended up being that dad's cancer had spread, and and um, that was an ordeal in itself. So it had spread, and it was in the bone, we, right? Uh, yeah, and that his hip problem he'd been having, or the pain he'd been having his hip for um, the last several months had been where some of the cancer had spread to. That was where it was really disintegrated. That's why he was having such difficulty walking. The cancer was causing the pain mm-hmm. there. And they told us then, it was, that when I ended up going back up a couple weeks later when we met with several specialists to kind of get... I feel like that's when I went. Get, Is that when I went with you? Because I remember um, being there and like going to the doctor's office, you know, there was like could have been. one, I mean, I, I, and I want to say yeah. it was a specialist, but because it, it wasn't the first ones, it was at, I it don't was think later it was on. that one because that day we had a marathon day. It ended up being we saw his urologist. Maybe it was the one we after saw, that then, because yeah, there was there was yeah. one like that we were. It's kind of like a follow up, whatever, and kind of check yeah. up and. 
Yeah, that first that deal there, it was interesting, you know, because I, I asked questions because of you and I. But when the cancer had spread, we saw a urologist, we saw a radial oncologist, uh, we saw uh, there was I was thinking, well, his uh, family doctor. We saw all three of them in the same day, and why I remember that is that. I asked him, what do I need to do? I mean, yeah. dad's a male, bladder cancer, uh, the cancer spread, what do I need to do? And without exception, all three of them, the urologist, the oncologist, and I saw two oncologists, what it was, two oncologists and his family doctor, there's four doctors, every one of them, without exception, the first question they asked is, do you smoke? Yeah. And I said, I said no. And they said, well, don't start. And... All four of them just it just was weird to me that that happened and all of them then recommended i get into a relationship with the urologist right away yeah. they made a mistake of telling Kelly then by the time that i think three days later i had an appointment with rick uh, a urologist <laughs> so it was bad news for me yeah um, but um, which ended up being a good thing though right i mean uh, you know ultimately it did i mean it was one of the things where i ended up going to a urologist that uh Kelly and a doctor she worked with, Dr. Farber, uh, knew that was one of their patients. And when she called and asked to get me in, I was in there like the next day. Yeah. And um, again, and his first question, you know, what do I need to do? Do you smoke? No. And so that was one. It was interesting to me that all of them, first question was if I smoked. And it yeah. was not. But it was good for me because it ended up being uh, got into a relationship with him, sort of doing PSAs, which is a uh, prostate blood test yeah. uh, that I did and you know because of how everything went um, I, they had me go every other year I didn't need me to come back every year but just said if I needed to if I saw any changes or anything to give them a call you know and so that's what we did until and we moved up to Indy then just kind of got out of the habit of going to see him but Still had the ability to go back every other year. I think even after we lived in Indy one time, I went back to Tarot to see the doctors. So, yeah. But you alluded. I mean, we, you know, a few years later. I mean, it ended up being where, you know, I don't know if it's the path you want to go down, but it, a few years later, because of where I worked at the time, um, they required um, in order to get a cheaper insurance, health insurance. Yeah. What they call doctor checks. They had to have a doctor sign off and fill out a form. And if you did that, if you did the doctor, did the wellness checks, what it was called, then you'd get the big discount on the health insurance. And sure. So Kelly and I both had come to that point where it was time for our physicals to get our uh, um, yearly checkup discount. Yeah. So it's the first one I'd gone to in years because doctors and I don't necessarily see eye to eye. But you know, <laughs> I get that honest. <clears throat> yeah. Well, then, then it, Kelly went first, and he informed her that she had won a colonoscopy, um, and then I went and I won a colonoscopy as well. We hit over that fifty-year-old mark and need to have a baseline colonoscopy. So she went first. Of course, made sure she went first, and then. A week later, I went and had my colonoscopy, and that's when the doctor recommended, you know, hey, you got something going on with your prostate. Make sure you you need to get in to see a urologist. And again, had he told me, it would have been okay. But he unfortunately says something to Kelly, which basically meant the next week I'm seeing a urologist. <laughs> so, you know, and long story short, because of Dad's history, uh, 
the urologist just wanted to, um, as a precautionary thing, you know, he's just, well, let's just kind of write it out. I don't think it's anything to worry about. But as a precautionary thing, I think we need to do a biopsy. So since we'd already done everything else with our insurance that year and had reached our um, uh, deductibles yeah. and everything, they squeezed us in New Year's Eve. I think back in, gosh, I don't even know what year it was, 2014 maybe? Uh, New Year's Eve 2014, I had a prostate biopsy. And then, unfortunately, I guess, I had ordered it, you know, uh, January, they get the results back, and uh, it turned out to be positive. So, yeah, it gave me the wonderful diagnosis that I, you know, had uh, prostate cancer, and they're trying to figure out what they want to do with that. So, so it was an interesting ride there. Yeah, but everything's worked out. You've been free of that for a couple of years now, right? Actually, yeah. Um, it, it's it's funny. I did. Uh, well, it's a procedure called uh, brachytherapy. There's two different kinds. There's internal, uh, where they actually go in and I'll call it zap the prostate internally with high doses of radiation. The high dose, high dose radiation treatment and low dose. The high dose is where they go in and they hit the the prostate very very hard with with um, high doses of radiation. Yeah. The low dose was a different one where they implant seeds into the prostate that emits radiation to kill any potential cancer cells there. Sure. And that's actually what our friend in Terre Haute did, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Schmidt. So mm-hmm. he's a great friend resource that I bounced a lot of stuff off of. So yeah. before I even... <clears throat> Went to see my radiologist or my oncologist or urologist and oncologist first time. I had a pretty good feel of what was going on. So, but a lot, yeah, like you mentioned, I, I went, I go now every six, well, annually I see uh, my urologist and annually I see my uh, radio oncologist. My radio oncologist was, I saw her uh, last June. June of 2020 or 19 and that would have been a little over four years there you go so she told me that the next time she sees me if things are continuing to go like that she anticipates that she'll not see need to see me again and by the way the calendar happens to hit tomorrow uh, I uh, see my uh, a urologist, uh, so I go in for kind of my annual follow up with him. Yeah, I do blood week a week before with both of them, and then go in and do the follow up tomorrow. So, so I guess it's been about four and a half years now. So next uh, treatment is in March, so it'll be five years in March. So that's awesome. Congrats. Yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> still, still kicking. Still, still kicking. Sound. If we go back to, um, you know, so if you're listening, I called my grandparents Mama and Paul, and I just I don't know where it came from necessarily, but that was just always what I called my my grandparents growing up. But if you look back, uh, you know your their lives, I guess you know it was uh, what it's been. Is it two years now? Three years? That grandma's passed. Oh uh, yeah, she passed away. I think it'd be it'll be three years probably in probably April. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah it's it. 
and it's funny because you know Kelly and you having you know that uh, you know your parents I guess but for Dana and I it was our grandparents and it was grandma Correct. passed away and then it was about you know maybe a month before that that her grandpa had passed away and uh, yeah it's just just crazy um, but yeah it's Which something the, hard to go through together but I guess it's nice to be in this yeah, similar places it, it's weird I don't know how else to word it I mean we are when you know I'm an only child you know that so from my standpoint um, on my immediate family, I am now the, you know, the oldest survivor, if you will. Yeah. Um, and Kelly is. I never thought about that. Yeah. So, you, and then Kelly's mother passed away this last March. So we both are parentless. Um, yeah. So from that standpoint, um, it's as strange as it sounds, you almost feel like an orphan. Um, cause you don't, you, your parents, you take advantage, you take, not take advantage, but you take for granted. Yeah. Uh, they're always going to be there, but they're not. And, you know, it's just like now I look back and there's, there's things which, you know, I never went to my dad for advice. Mm-hmm. Never did. I don't remember ever asking his opinion on something. I don't ever remember that. Yeah. And you know, today that's what I, I wish I could do that with just on yeah. different things. And mom's much the same way. Mom, mom and I had a different kind of relationship than what dad and I did, uh, <laughs> but naturally. Uh, but um, but no, it was. Uh, it, it's just weird when you lose your parents. You just all of a sudden you're um, there's a an aloneness, if you will. Yeah, like a sense there's of identity no that you kind of lose. There's a security that you you know. Yeah, makes not sense. to put words in your mouth, but you you always know I'm here. You know, yeah. I mean, and oh, I, you always know, and your mom, you always know that your parents are there. Yeah. Um, so that's not. Well, and gone. I feel, I understand a little bit. I mean, you know, I, I feel the same way with like grandma and, you know, like when she was there, it's just like, I didn't do a great job always of like reaching out and, you know, staying super and super good. Uh, my words are uh, staying in touch very, I didn't stay in touch very well with her. Um, all the time and you know a couple weeks would go by or whatnot before I'd give her a call or you know whatever but you just yeah you just find that you just take for granted the fact that they're there and I yeah. and I get what you're I get what you're saying completely yeah. and that's where I mean and I think it, I don't want to say everybody does that but it's very common that yeah. that happens as you get older and and it, it's sad, and it takes losses sometimes for, I'll say that to be a wake-up call uh, yeah. for people. But it is what it is. I mean, it's part of, you know, it's a part of um, getting older. It's a part of maturing. Uh, but it's also a part of life that sucks, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. Mm-hmm. Rough for sure. What are some of your favorite memories of your parents, Mama and Paul? Um, <laughs> What's the first dad, thing that came to mind? <laughs> well, I know something with, came to mind. Fishing with dad. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know at what age I can. I know I could take you. I could take you to the creek and probably within a hundred yard stretch of where I remember this being. We're fishing with dad, and at some point catching a little bitty bluegill and beating a living piss out of it. You know. 
just practicing casting and just basically with a baby fishing pole just killed the sucker uh, oh i did just beat it on the ground but and just but he just let me go i mean just having to have a heyday with it fishing with dad i remember dad dad worked at a lumber company in west virginia where where i was born and he'd get off work and and it's always dad always had time it was a matter of we'd go fishing we'd go you know we'd go play catch we'd do this do that but it was almost like mom had me through the day, and when dad got home, it, I was all dad's. Yeah, and, you know, he was, it was all me. Play games, um, gosh, play board games, card games. Um, very competitive. Never, if you beat my dad in a card game or a board game or something like that, you beat him. He never let you win. <laughs> it was not gonna. It, and it was one of those things. If you beat him, you beat him fair and square. So you, you'd celebrate and run with it. You yep, know? Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember those times. Dad was one that when I was growing up and in high school and my friends would come over and we'd play <clears throat> hearts or spades or card games in the living or in the kitchen table. And there might be, you know, four or six of us playing a card game, yeah. you know, in, in the kitchen. It was always with dad. You know, mom was always watching TV. Mm-hmm. After dad passed, it was always mom playing cards. Yeah. Mom was the one that very involved with, with card games and stuff. Isn't that funny? So we, you feel, do you yeah. think that's like a way that she just kind of like remembered him or like, did she ever mention or you say know, anything I to you about I that? Or? Uh, no, I, she, they played cards with other couples as far as, you know, I remember Rook with one couple, they played Pete Uncle with another couple and, and then Euchre. Um, yeah, it's just like even your your mom and I when we were young married, we'd go over and we'd play, you know, four handed euchre or cards with mom and dad or yeah. with the other couple. We play six handed with them, and mm-hmm. and we had you know cards was just part of your your social recreation at the time. Yeah, um, my your your um, my grandfather on mom's side. Uh, my maternal grandfather, um, with him, he was the one that I learned to play penny any poker with, you know. Yeah. So my dad and the uncles on my mom's side, and when I, they always played poker, Man, poker was a big thing. Mm-hmm. My grandmother's name was Betty, and I can remember, you know, Paw Paw. I call him Mama and Paw Paw. I remember Paw Paw as soon as dinner was over would say something to my grandmother before the the kitchen table was cleaned off. Betty, get this damn table cleaned off. You need to get some of Doug's money. <laughs> and it, we're talking about penny ante stuff. I mean, yeah. it was Which means pennies. just, it's like a penny to play. Two cents. Yeah, yeah. Two cents ante uh, to play. And the big deal for him was getting what he called that white money, which was nickels, dimes, and quarters. Oh, Ain't kind yeah. of silver, boy. That was the big stuff, you know. But yeah playing cards with him so i played cards with dad played cards with my my grandfather on my mom's side um <clears throat> but dad was one that we played a lot of card games with and, and board games we played chess checkers uh, uh scrabble and yeah of course we always had to have always had to have the um scrabble dictionary out too because Dad or I wanted to try to make up words along the way. It had, to, had, to be a, had to be a legitimate word found in the dictionary. You know? That's funny. 
oh, it's it's crazy stuff, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I remember for as long as I was old enough to kind of play, as when I started playing guards, you know, and we played sixty five or nickels, whatever we whatever mm-hmm. want to call it. And uh, yeah, I was like, took sixty five cents to play, and uh, I always thought it was a blast whenever I could beat Paul or go out or you know started off playing I'd sit on grandma's lap and she'd uh kind of coach me through what to do and then it started to be where I got to play yeah I got to play on my own where she'd I'm gonna go rest I'll play for her you know like I'll fill in and and, uh the rest is history but yeah we started playing you know poker and whatnot as well and all sorts of games. I, oh, I yeah. that. that was always a big well, thing. And yeah. see, then after, then after Dad passed away, because we, we would play card games with, um, well, I, before you mentioned, we were talking about Paul earlier, but I remember Kelly and I going up in September before Dad passed away. And at that stage of the game, I was one, I was going up that fall after Dad was, his reoccurrence happened. I was going up about every other week. Yeah. And uh, I remember us coming home, and Kelly was the one that said to me, "You need to call Shane, and you guys need to go up there next weekend." Yeah. And I said, "No, nah, we'll just wait for two more weeks." She said, "No, you need to call Shane, and you two go up there next weekend." Yeah. And that was the weekend that, when we left there on Sunday night, Mom called me on Monday, and Dad was having problems. That yeah. was. It was later that week, right? Yeah, and he, passed, and he passed away later that week. So if it wasn't that for Kelly, I would have missed that last week because yeah. I, yeah, uh, that weekend because we were all playing cards that weekend too. So yep. then after Dad passed, we, you know, with Mom was always a big deal playing cards. So man, I missed that old fart. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. tearing up thinking about it. Just thinking about sitting there with him and such good, such a good guy, such good times. I don't know. Yeah. You know, that same like fishing. Sick. Fishing was always a, you know, I had that summer that I got to spend with him. And I think it was right after he had uh, retired. And so, yeah. We just, I mean, we went fishing all day, every day in those days. And yeah. I don't know. Played cards all the time. You know, still played cards. So it was played us three or, you know, somebody would come in and friends or whatever. I don't know. Just good times. Yeah. I, my some of my fondest memories are with, especially with uh, with your mom and dad, grandma, mom and Paul, was waking up in the mornings and you every morning the radio was playing. And it was the country station. What was it? Hundred point five. Is that it? I don't know. Something uh, like that. Hundred point five. WWKI. <laughs> yeah, WWKI. Pokemon. And yeah. it was the country music because I didn't, I wasn't really into country music, but I were, I was after that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I like remember so the coffee was going, you know, it was yeah. coffee and the newspaper and the radio, and that's what you did. You sat there and you know you just hung out. You woke up and that was just that was the morning routine every morning, yeah. and yeah. it was it's a. It's one of my favorite memories. I don't know. I love that. I love waking up. You like the walls weren't super thick. You could hear hear a lot, you know. And you'd hear mm-hmm. in the mornings. I, I was upstairs in my bedroom and and uh, your old bedroom, 
right? Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, you just always knew that they were up. You know, you didn't have to guess or wonder. It was Paul was so always Dad up was at like 6 a.m. or Yeah. Yeah. Dad was an early riser. I mean, he always, he got up and was at work. He got up probably around five o'clock every morning for 40, 50 years to go to work. Yeah. And even on weekends, he slept in, it was six o'clock, you know, so that was him. He was always a big breakfast cooker on the weekends. He loved to fix. Yeah. But only on the yeah. weekends, the weekdays, he didn't necessarily. Bowl, bowl cereal. Yeah, bowl, that was about it. Yeah, bowl cereal. Yeah, but on weekends, you know, he always wanted, you know, whether it be sausage and biscuits or bacon and eggs or pancakes or whatever. Yeah. He always had a big breakfast, which yeah. I get them honest. I'm the same way. I don't do a lot through the week, but, you know, I'm a sucker for the weekend, so. Yeah. It's funny, too, because hey, I'm, I'm the same way, I guess, but mostly just because. I don't want to get up as early as Dana gets up, so um, mm-hmm. I get up when she leaves. So that's generally my my morning, eight o'clock. <laughs> I get up, but um, yeah, a griddle, you know, uh, like a electric griddle. Mm-hmm. Like I have one. I've used it maybe twice, <laughs> to be completely honest. But I. I see it and I think of Paul like that was, you know, like I think of, it's like those little things that remind you of, of, uh, I don't know, just memories are always fun. I was talking to Dana's dad, Tom, uh, when he was here last weekend and last week or whatnot. And, uh, it was, we were all, we were just telling stories back and forth about, you know, things he remembered about his parents and, you know, these like little, these little bits and pieces that trigger like this big memory, you know, these stories that you get to tell. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's funny. It's just the, I can, you can see that the kitchen, uh, grandparent, like Paul and mamma and Paul's kitchen was, there's something about the morning light in that kitchen is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, when mm-hmm. the sun's shining, there's like the two windows and then I don't know, the sun just illuminates that room and and it's just an amazing I don't know. It's a great place to wake up and I can still see right. that sun coming through and see that backyard and Paul would be sitting there on, on the griddle and doing whatever he was doing and fixing mm. his food and pancakes and whatever, whatever else he it did, was. He didn't screw with his food. No. Uh, he, he, he could do anything else. You didn't mess with his food. Yeah. So yeah. It's funny. You talk about playing cards though. You know, he, Every now and then, uh, well, not only with playing cards, every now and then I find myself saying something that dad would say, but yeah. playing cards, you know, how you, after a hand or something like that, if this If I only, yeah, it, if I only if had I, this. Yeah, and dad's saying, saying that bullfrogs had wings that wouldn't bump their ass on the ground when they yeah. hopped. <laughs> I love that one. That's one of my favorites for sure. Yeah. I remember that last weekend, uh, too, I don't, I don't know, it's a funny story but it's also a sad story in some ways you know but uh just paul the hallucinating sitting at the Mm -hmm. table while we were playing cards and Mm -hmm. it's it was i don't think it was light out i think it was dark out wasn't it i don't know dusk maybe Mm -hmm. and he was squinting and we were just after dinner and he's like squinting and looking out the the back door the window and edith Tell them kids get out behind that that uh, that shed back there. <laughs> she got up. She was a good sport about it. But the first couple of times, she's like, "Doug, I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody back there." She's like, "Damn it! Tell them to get back back out from back behind there. They're right there." 
<laughs> and she just, she just opened the door. I remember she opened the door and hey, get out of there. <laughs> Well, it was okay. at that moment that he knew he was he was he knew something was up. He's like nobody's there, is there? And you know it's it's funny because when he, I remember back in '01 when he had his first surgery, um, he had an allergic reaction oh, yeah. reaction to some medicine, and he was hallucinating, and he was a dick. Oh. <laughs> He saw stuff on the mirror that he was ready to call the call the GD nurses, and if yeah. they don't get them out of there, you know, get them damn damn gnats out of this room, <laughs> you know, she would. It finally came to a point where he realized that they weren't really there, but it was all you could do not to laugh at him, and that would just piss him off more. Yeah, but it was well, just like so, I suppose I would. I mean, and then he even came to a point where he realized that what he was seeing really wasn't there. Yeah. And I think the straw that broke his camel's back for mom with dad on that weekend was when, after you and I left on Sunday, we went back home that Sunday night. Uh, dad was in the, that hospital bed in the, the mm-hmm. downstairs bedroom. And, um, he was, he was, well, I, I'm even cautious to say hallucinating anymore. Yeah, but he started seeing people from the past. He was seeing his parents, his dad, his mom, his older brother that was killed in World War II. Mm. Uh, he was seeing people that all had deceased and died, and that's when mom called um, a minister friend of ours. His name was Steve. Yeah, it's actually Steve was one that actually was one of those guys that I hung out with that would have been at the house playing cards, you know, sure. with, with us, with dad and when I growing up, but he was a minister and a chaplain and he came in and talked with dad that night. And it's always one of those things where I've heard of people on their deathbeds that they start seeing people from the past. And yeah. I don't, I don't want to project that it was hallucinating. That it wasn't real. It was real to them. Yeah. Was it some sort of a premonition? I don't know. You sure. know, I'm not even going to, try to project that one way yeah yeah it's hard it's hard to tell there's no way to really know you know i mean yeah so many ways i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pass judgment one or the other yeah it's kind of a cool story though i mean in some ways what was the other one in the hospital bed where was it he was cobwebs or something he was blowing yeah yeah yeah, there was a cobweb (laughs) well see well, when you see a grown man <laughs> lean up in the bed and go, hey, he's blue one, you know, like, Dad, what the hell are you doing? Said, I'm just blowing those cobwebs and watching them move, you know, they're like, oh, my God. What was the know? one with the, the girl at the end of his bed or something? Well, he said, I think it was something to the effect of, he said, there's nothing for you here. You can just go ahead and leave. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. It was yeah, something or something that, about like, well, if you're not going to talk to me, I'm going to go yeah, sleep. Yeah, if you're not going to leave, you might as well just go sleep. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that just sums up who he is, too, though. You know, just like, well, well if you're not going to talk to me, just get the hell out yeah, of here. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. I'm going to, I'm out. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was, that was always something, you know. And yeah. I never, you know, those. You know, you, you can look back and laugh now. It wasn't necessary. It was actually shit. It was funny then, too. 
it just you had to get removed from it to realize what was going on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, you know, mom was a little bit more serene when she passed, you know, but hers was more, you know, she had been in declining health earlier in the year. She had uh, an episode where they really needed to put her on oxygen all the time yeah. know, to have the, the little thing in her nose. And her her mental attitude at that point was that her life was over, you know. Yeah. And she couldn't have, she didn't have the freedom that she once had. She had to have oxygen all the time. Yeah, she didn't but like she, to be caged in. She oh, was, a, she was not. She didn't yeah, want she, anything taken away from her. A free spirit. I mean, it's just like you couldn't tell her anything <laughs> nice to do with recommendations <laughs> with. Yeah, that was a polite way. Yeah. She would have really appreciated that <laughs> one, Dad. <laughs> stubborn as hell. Uh, but, but no, yeah. she. But no, she, the funny thing with her, you know, dad's gone. I mean, it had little things that happened. She, she started slipping mentally there later on, but it was yeah. one of those things where you, you couldn't even talk to her about money, you know, or recommendations here or things. If you're not paying my bills, you're not going to tell me what to do. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. You know, and that was her. And, but, you know, she got frauded a couple of times and, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think in the last in the last year, you know, we had to open up two different check, had to close and reopen checking accounts twice for her because she got scammed and always looking for that. She always really believed that she was going to be the next publisher's clearinghouse winner. <laughs> she sent all that shit back, you know. And yeah. I swear to God, to this day, now three years later, I'm still getting stuff that has her name on it. <laughs> you know, it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, she she loved that stuff. That's for sure. She yeah. liked to gamble. She had more of an issue with gambling than what I think any of us knew. I mean, I I yeah. knew, but no one could tell her anything. And I I joked about her spending my inheritance, and you know, which I'm sure she spent more on stuff than what we knew sure. or what want us to know. Yeah. That way, it brings things up. But that's that's okay. I, it's neither here nor there at the stage of the game, you know. Yeah. Yeah, she she uh she had a couple jobs, right? But mostly she just stayed at home and took care of the house and whatnot, right? Yeah, when she was you know, when she was younger, I mean you know, this you'll get a kick out of this stuff. I'm I've I have found a box of letters. Um oh, yeah. mom and dad. Um and I haven't got through them all. Uh, some of them, I, <laughs> I tell you what, uh, whenever you take a, a young couple that have just <laughs> been married less than a year being separated because dad's in boot camp or at training in the military, it, they're several states away. And <laughs> they're writing letters back and forth to each other. There's some things you just are not meant for sons uh, to read. You know, <laughs> just, oh, man. I, yeah. yeah, I just like, oh, sweet Jesus. I had to clean my eyes out. Loud. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it's also illuminating to their life then, you know. And yeah. Mom worked and dad was in the military and talking about. What branch was thing. he in? He was in the Army. Army. And he spent, I don't know, I think he spent like 18 months or maybe two years over in Germany. Yeah. And mom was able to be over there with him for a while they had some yeah. great memories and stuff over there yeah she's she she spoke fondly of that time over in germany <laughs> yeah. but yeah. i don't remember you know after paul passed away i always tried to ask questions and and you know like learn more about you know so she would tell me stories for sure and i was always trying to probe those stories 
I, I can't remember any like anything in specific that she would say, but she just, I don't know if it's she lit up, but she just talked very highly of, you know, I think she really enjoyed being overseas and like being in well, Germany. They were young. I, Mom wasn't able to work when she was over there and they, yeah. they had friends and there's, I, I ran into a lot of pictures of maybe, you know, obviously couples, military couples over there on the base or in the married places that they lived and, and their parties away from home when they're away from family and whatnot. It was kind mm-hmm. of interesting where they'd be around maybe New Year's Eve or Christmas or Thanksgiving and just sitting around and, and drinking beer and partying and whatnot. And, yeah. Uh, those, those photos and, and whatnot. Then, you know, as I say, them piecing things together, you know, the, some of the letters and it's always interesting to see <clears throat> check registers from, and canceled checks from the early 50s and 60s when uh, they were very, very young. I was young where, you know, money that they spent, you know, and seeing a, uh, as crazy as this sounds, seeing a, a check written for a dollar yeah. for, for cash. Um, I mean, but you're, you're looking at people that were making you know, maybe a dollar an hour or, mm-hmm. or, or less, you know, where I've seen W2s and tax stuff from late fifties, early sixties. And it's like, you know, they did okay for what they did and what they made at the time. They were never, never wealthy, never a lot of money, but always made their money stretch and whatnot. And, you know, just different things. It's always yeah. interesting to see the, some of the things that's there, yeah. But any you know, anything you read in besides the the, the young letters. love back and forth <laughs> that uh... yeah, uh, we won't go the young love, son. I guarantee <laughs> you, we don't want any part of that. Uh, Man, I'm so I'm curious sh- about how I, that went I, down. I would have sheltered you from that, <laughs> but uh, uh, little things of because uh, Dad was in Fort Benning, Georgia. Okay, and Mom was in the process of coming down there to join him after he got out of the school or the training that he was at and they were going to live down there and dad talking about looking for apartments and places to live and, and how much rent was going to be. And, and you know, that if they watched their pennies, they could afford it. If they just watched themselves and may have to get a job, you know, another job or different things like that. But talking about, you know, forty dollars a month for rent or whatever it was. I can't remember the exact figure, but and then some places where of uh, maybe two couples renting the same uh, place and sharing expenses. You know, it was little things of that nature that was just always kind of interesting. And, um, then I remember, you know, finding you know, fast forwarding several years when we moved from West Virginia to Virginia. Dad was in, uh, in or moved from West Virginia to Indiana. Dad came up probably in February or March before we moved in June right. and him writing letters, you know, two or three letters back and forth to mom and myself and just the little things of, that that would be said there, you know, but dad wrote more letters. I think than mom did. As I recall. I'm but, not surprised. What's that? I said, I'm not really surprised at that. No, me either. You know, dad, you know, mom, Mom had a hard life. I mean, there was some things there that yeah. transpired in childhood that was really rough. 
and dad um you know dad was a lot more tenderhearted than i think mom was in a lot of aspects yeah Yeah, he he was and yet i don't know he's like he wouldn't necessarily come across as that way but he didn't come across as a hard ass either he just was tough you know i mean he was he just was i don't know Mom was, you know, um, I don't want it to sound insulting, but mom was not tenderhearted at all. She, she, <laughs> no, I wouldn't very, describe her as that either. <laughs> yeah, she was, you know, pretty hard yeah. in a lot of aspects. I'll never, never forget probably being 10, 11 years old in a two story house in, in Akron and no air conditioning and hotter and humid as hell and upstairs and just could not breathe could not sleep it was so hot and i'll never forget one night in my misery mom i'm hot and her classic one word response (laughs) so (laughs) go back to sleep you know it's just like oh my god you know (laughs) so everybody else You know, but I'll never forget that. That still makes me laugh. Yeah, I, I reminded her of that a lot, even as we got older. But I love that. Well, Dad, let's wrap things up. You're the boss, man. All tonight, right. anyway. That was really fun. I really good memories, fun memories yeah. to think back on and to remember. We we went into this one and didn't really know where we were going, but. Neither one of us well, were so too worried I've about been, uh, coming up I've short of words. So. <laughs> all kinds of wordless information to share with you. Shoot, one of these times we can talk about somebody being a jack of all trades and master of none. I've Let's done do a it. lot of different things in life. Let's we can talk about all those. Some good experiences with them, some memorable ones, and some not so fun. So. Yeah, well, let's do it. You'll be here in a couple of weeks, and uh, we can put one in the bank. I, I don't know if your listeners are ready for that. So. <laughs> All right, Dad. Thanks again. Thanks so much for, for uh, showing up and, and sharing the stories about your life and the life of Memo and Paul and some good ones. Thank you. All right. Love you. Love you too. Thank you all so much for listening. Once again, tune in this Thursday, Thanksgiving Day at 3 p.m. Eastern Time for our Thanksgiving edition. That's Thursday. Thanksgiving Day at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll be taking calls and listening to your favorite Thanksgiving memories and, of course, hear about the things you were thankful for. If you'd prefer to write out and send us your Thanksgiving memories and things you're thankful for, please email us at info at crazyfaceuno.com or send us a message on Instagram or Facebook. If you enjoyed the show today, please visit Facebook or Instagram. There you can like and comment on our posts. If you want to go above and beyond, please share the Crazy Face Uno podcast with your friends, your family, or just random strangers on the street. We're welcome to everyone. Once again, visit crazyfaceuno.com where you can buy our merchandise and donate. Your contributions help us share more stories like my dad's and the stories just like yours. Thanks again. We love you. 